Welcome. In our traditional churches here in England, the four Sundays before Christmas are called Advent. And it is the tradition in many of the churches to use those four Sundays to preach on two themes. Christ's first coming to this world when he was born in Bethlehem and Christ's second coming when he will return in power and glory to rule over all things. Today we're looking at Psalm 98. My name's Keith Simons. I'm a Bible teacher from England and I present these talks on how you can understand the King James Bible using the book of Psalms. Each week we look at a different psalm, verse by verse and word by word. Today, as I say, our subject is Psalm 98. It's the only psalm whose traditional title is just simply the words, a psalm. In other words, a song. And what a song Psalm 98 is. First one begins, O sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvellous things. Isn't God wonderful? Let's sing to him. Let's praise him. Let's Let's declare the wonderful things that God has done. Sing a new song. Why a new song? Don't we have lots of old songs that we could sing? And would they not be just as acceptable to God? Oh, the reason for the new song is that there's a new thing that God has done. We want to praise him because he's done something wonderful and new, something that he's never done before. God has done marvellous things. What are these marvellous things? What are the wonderful things that he's done? The author of our psalm replies, His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. God has won a wonderful victory to rescue his people. How has he done this? By his right hand and his holy arm. It's picturing a soldier who uses the strength of his arm and the strength of his hand to win a victory in a battle. And so it's saying that God has fought a battle to save his people and he's won. What a wonderful salvation. What a wonderful rescue. So shouldn't God's people, those people who've benefited so much from this glorious victory, shouldn't they sing to praise him? Shouldn't the whole world sing to praise him? Why, verse 2, the Lord hath made known his salvation, his righteousness hath he openly shewed in the sight of the heathen. It's very curious for those of us who know the New Testament, to realise that the word for salvation in the Old Testament is Yeshua, which is the same as the name of Jesus. If this had been written in the days of the New Testament, it would read, the Lord hath made known his Jesus. Yes, the reason we call Jesus Jesus is that he came 
to save his people from their sins, and his very name means salvation. So Jesus' name is a declaration of the special work that God did by him to save people, to rescue them from their sins, from their evil deeds, from the power of the devil, from, from the power of death and the fear of death, from hell. Yes, that's why God sent Jesus into the world. The Lord hath made known his salvation. God has declared his wonderful salvation. But what does salvation mean? It means rescue and it means safety. God rescues people. He brings them to a place of safety. When people trust in Jesus, God rescues them. And he will in time bring them to a complete place of safety, to heaven, to the new Jerusalem, to the place where he is king. And uh, the passage continues. Here's God's righteousness. Hath he openly shewed in the sight of the heathen. The heathen, the foreigners, the people who belong to the nations that are not Israel. Remember in Old Testament times, although there were some people from foreign nations who trusted God, God had given his law, his word, his Bible, his prophets, his directions as to how people were to worship, his temple, and so many other things to Israel's people. And Israel alone knew the true God as a nation. In other nations, the official religion was the religion of false gods. Each nation had its own false gods. It was only in Israel where the official religion was to worship the true and living God. But now, in the psalm, God hasn't just reached out to Israel. His righteousness hath he openly shewed in the sight of the heathen. These other nations had seen clearly and openly God's righteousness. That God is acting in the right and good way. God's goodness has become made clear to the people in foreign nations. And he did it by first showing his mercy and his truth towards Israel's people. Verse 3. He, God, hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. This is referring to the promises that God gave to Israel's people, especially to the fathers of their nation, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. God made promises to them about the future of their family, God promised them that the Messiah, the Christ, would come from their family. And so God remembered his mercy and his truth. His mercy, his kindness. That's the word that elsewhere is translated loving kindness. Oh, God made those promises to Israel's people because of his mercy. And God, car God carried them out because of his truth, which elsewhere is translated faithfulness. It means that God keeps his promises. And when God remembers them, it means that he brings them back into his mind. He acts because of them. 
And, uh, you know, we use remembered in a, a vaguer sense today. But what it's saying in the Bible is it seemed to us with the passage of time, with the passage of the years and the passage of the centuries, as if God had forgotten those promises. Wouldn't it seem to you if someone promised something to you and they did nothing about it for five years, ten years, wouldn't it seem to you that they'd forgotten their promise? And when you heard that they'd carried out that promise at long last, wouldn't you declare, oh, he's remembered it? Well, God remembered those promises and he remembered the promises that he made in his mercy. And so in his truth or faithfulness, he carried them out. Isn't this what we declare when we remember the events of the first Christmas? God sent his Messiah to the world. God sent Jesus to, his wo to this world. He remembered the promises that he made by the prophets. He remembered that he promised to send the Messiah. And now he did it. And won't we be saying that at the time of the second coming? Oh, 2,000 years have almost gone by now since Jesus walked on this earth, since his first coming to this world. But when he comes again in power, when he defeats every evil force that has power in this world, when he establishes his kingdom of perfect justice and righteousness, won't we declare God has remembered and yet the King James translators are clever here because they don't just say he remembered his mercy and truth as if he forgot it. No, they say he hath remembered. In modern English, that would be God has remembered. He never forgot it. He has remembered it. He's remembered it all these years. All these years when we thought that God had forgotten it, he has remembered it. He still remembers it. And at the time when it is right for him to carry out his promise, God acts. And he acts in power. And all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. All the ends of the earth. The remotest corners of the world. God's good news is clear to them all. God's salvation, his rescue... It's clear to them all. God has not just declared this to one nation. It is good news for all the people. Let me read to you what Jesus said at the end of Matthew's Gospel. Some of the last words which are recorded that he spoke to his disciples during his life on earth. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, beginning at verse 18. And Jesus came and spake to them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you alway, even unto the end of the world. Yes. This is good news for all nations, the good news of the gospel. 
No wonder the author of Psalm 98 declares with joy, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And then this song, this joyful song, becomes even more joyful in praise, calling on the whole world to praise God. First of all, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Could it be more emphatic? The noise must be joyful. It must be loud. It must be the noise of praise. It must be the noise of happiness because God has done such a wonderful thing. And it's not just for Israel's people to praise the Lord in this way. The whole world has benefited. All the earth should join in this song of praise. How must we praise God? Well, we should sing. Verse 5. Sing unto the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the voice of a psalm. That word psalm, the same as at the beginning, it means a song, the voice of a song. You sing your song, you play it on your harp. The harp was a, a gentle musical instrument, uh, not as sophisticated as, as most of the harps we see today, just ten strings maybe, um, which... Uh, the, the, the player would pluck and he would sing with it. It, it wasn't a wind instrument, so the, the, the person playing the harp could sing along with it. And how wonderful to make a joyful noise to God by singing with the harp. Oh, but that won't make a loud noise with it. And such a wonderful deliverance, such wonderful rescue needs to be proclaimed with the loudest of instruments. Verse 6. With trumpets and sound of cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. The trumpets and the cornet. A cornet nowadays means a type of trumpet. Um, musical instruments have changed a lot since the days of the King James Bible. And they've changed even more since the uh, days when the Psalms were written, of course. But nevertheless, the word trumpets conveys the idea well of a loud musical instrument. The sort of trumpets they had in the Bible, uh, there were two sorts, which probably explains why we've got two words there in the Psalm, trumpet and cornet. Um, one sort was the silver trumpets, special ceremonial trumpets, which the priests would sound on very important occasions. Um, and then there was the cornet, is translating the ram's horn, just the horn of a ram hollowed out, which you can blow into and make a loud sound. It's the sound that the Jewish people traditionally sound at the Jewish New Year, or making a great noise to make a joyful noise before the Lord. God is called here the Lord, the King. And I suppose he's called the King to emphasise that this is him ruling. This is him to whom honour is due. This is him who is now in power. So our psalm is referring more to Christ's 
second coming than his first coming, more to the time when he returns to rule all things than to when he was originally born in Bethlehem. But even then, when he was born in poverty, he was still recognised by some, by those who knew, as a king. Let me read you Matthew chapter 2, the first couple of verses. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Oh, make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. Let the whole world rejoice, not just Israel's people, but the foreign nations. But that's not enough to praise God. Why, everything that he created should rejoice that God is ruling in power. Everything that God created should rejoice at the second coming of Christ, when God takes away the things that are evil and wrong in this world, when he punishes Satan, the devil in hell, and when the world is set free from all the evil things that have oppressed it ever since men and women first chose not to obey God. And so, if the whole world is to praise God, if the whole creation is to praise God, then Verse 7, let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. The fullness means everything that fills it, everything that's in the sea. All those sea creatures, the great sea monsters and the sea animals and the fish, let them join in this shout of praise from the sea. I suppose there was nothing louder in ancient times than the noise of a tremendous storm at sea. So let that noise and that let that sound be used to praise God. But don't let the sea alone praise God. What about we who, who live on the land? Well, the world and they that dwell therein should roar to praise the Lord, the King. Everyone who lives in this world, needs to join and praise God, to recognise him as king, to celebrate his goodness and his power. Verse 8, let the floods clap their hands. The word for floods really means the rivers. And it's used as a word picture sometimes in the Bible for the nations. Let them clap their hands, as people would do, in celebrating, in praising, in expressing great joy, as the people would do in Israel when their army came back, having won a war. Let the floods clap their hands. Let all the nations be joyful together. Let the rivers celebrate their joy, because God is reigning. Let the hills be joyful together. Again, the hills is used sometimes as a word picture for different nations. Oh, they all should join in this. The rivers, the hills, the sea, the land. Let them all be joyful and joyful together before the Lord.
Let me point out to you that at the end of verse 8 in the King James Bible, there is no full stop. There is no punctuation of any sort. The meaning of that is that we should read continuously from verse 8 to verse 9. We should read that to be, let the floods clap their hands, pause, let the hills be joyful together before the Lord, pause, for he cometh, and so on. And you'll see that when I read the psalm. It's very similar at the end of Psalm 96. Um, psalm 96 is sort of the twin of Psalm 98. And if I read to you from verse 12 into verse 13, let the field be joyful and all that is therein, then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice before the Lord. And verse 13 begins with the word before. Again, there's no full stop, no punctuation at all at the end of Psalm 96, verse 12. Back to Psalm 98, verse 9, where it declares that the hills be joyful together before the Lord. Why? For he cometh to judge the earth. With righteousness shall he judge the world and the people with equity. Yes, God has come to rule, to rule as king. And uh, in ancient times, in Bible days, the king was the chief judge of his nation. So where it says Lord the king in verse 6, and where it speaks of the Lord as the judge in verse 9, it's describing the same thing. God is coming to make his judgments his perfect judgments, because he's going to judge with righteousness and with equity. He's going to make good judgments. He's going to set free those people who suffer, those poor people who are in such need because of the oppression of cruel people. He's going to act against everyone who does evil. He's going to act against every evil power and every evil force in this world. As Abraham declared at the end of Genesis 18 and verse 25, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Yes, God is a judge of all the earth and he will do right. And when he sets up Christ's kingdom, the kingdom of the Messiah, to rule over all things. When, when he does that, then evil forces will be totally defeated. We look forward, we must look forward to the return of Christ, to the second coming, because that is God's plan to set this world's people free and to bring about the fullness of his salvation. Remember what we said salvation means, rescue and safety. Then at last, the world's people will live in safety. Let me conclude by reading Isaiah chapter 9 from verse 6. For unto us a, a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, 
the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. How wonderful to know that God's perfect rule will have no end. Please write to me. My email address is 333kjv at gmail.com. That's 333kjv at gmail.com. And as I usually do, I'm going to conclude by reading the whole psalm, Psalm 98, which is headed in the King James Bible, A Psalm. O sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvellous things, his right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. The Lord hath made known his salvation, his righteousness hath he openly shewed in the sight of the heathen. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth towards the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the voice of a psalm. With trumpets and sound of a cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord, for he cometh to judge the earth. With righteousness shall he judge the world and the people with equity.